0: Wish you weren't hearing an ad right now? Want to get the next episode even sooner? Well, after the show, head to watchnebula.com slash radio. You'll get access to our original podcasts, ad-free, plus exclusive originals and experimental shows from your favorite educational-ish creators. And best of all, you're helping us to make even more amazing content. Just go to watchnebula.com slash LegalEagleRadio. It really helps us out. So a bunch of Redditors on Wall Street Bets found out that a hedge fund was shorting GameStop. So they thought it'd be fun to raise the price. In the process, they may have destroyed the financial markets as we know them. Then the hedge fund says that the Redditors are manipulating the market. The Redditors say that the hedge fund is manipulating the market. And then Robinhood says that no one can even trade and everyone loses a ton of money and everyone's gonna end up suing each other. But Hans, Booby, I'm your white knight. I must have missed 60 minutes. And I'm here to explain what in the world is going on with GameStop, Reddit, Robinhood, and the entire stock market, and whether any of this is legal. Legals, it's time to think like a securities lawyer because trading on the stock market is booming right now. According to online brokerages, there's been a huge increase in trading activity during the pandemic, and in particular, a ton of people have been hanging out on the subreddit forum Wall Street Bets, where they discuss stock tips, information, while also making fun stock memes. Basically, stocks. And part and parcel to that, many people have signed up with the trading app and brokerage known as Robinhood, which says it's on quote, a mission to democratize finance for all. Now Robinhood is particularly interesting because unlike most brokerages, they encourage or at least allow a huge number of people to trade on margin or to access options trading, which as we'll talk about in a few minutes is sort of like giving dynamite to children. Now, of course, that might cause a huge amount of damage, but it's definitely going to be fun to watch. And speaking of which, there are a lot of gamers on Reddit and they've taken an active interest in a retail video game shop known as GameStop. There are still 5,000 GameStop stores around America, but there's also some reason to think that GameStop is going to struggle in the near future. It faces challenges like closing malls and competition from illegal downloads and also legal downloads since A lot of people are downloading games instead of purchasing the physical copies in brick and mortar stores. The company doesn't expect to turn a profit until 2023. Some people think GameStop may even disappear just like Blockbuster. But not everyone agrees that GameStop is on their last legs and the people of Reddit have been talking about GameStop as a good company for a couple of years. Then some big time investors announced that they had invested in GameStop, including the co-founder of the online pet store, Chewy. This made some investors take notice. And Redditors realized that many investors had taken a short position on GameStop. The people of this subreddit decided that if they acted in concert to drive up the price of the stock, they could actually make a good profit by squeezing people who had shorted the GameStop stock. Man, try saying that a couple times fast. But just a few days ago, there were 1.9 million members of Wall Street Bets. Now it's up to 4, maybe 5 million members of Wall Street Bets. So if a substantial percentage of those people bought GameStop, then they really could have an impact on the stock. And that is exactly what we saw happen. In January, Redditors got to work buying up GameStop stock. GameStop's Stock price was trading at under $20 at the beginning of the year. But by January 27th, it had soared to $350. Now the financial industry is up in arms. The SEC is watching. Redditors are pushing up the price of several other stocks, including AMC. Elon Musk and the Winklevi twins are cheering them on. And so there is a bit of a David and Goliath framing in this whole war, especially if you're reading Reddit. The Redditor investors are saying that they're doing just what regular folks do when they invest in the markets, trying to bet on stock prices on the rise. So although the traditional investor community is somewhat aghast at all this activity, one could argue that the little guys and gals are just trying to do what the wealthier people have been doing for years, hoping to make money from a company's growth. Though the giant hedge funds, many of whom drive the short stock positions, are pretty mad about this. And they are, of course, the enemy of the people, or at least that's according to Reddit. But before we grandstand too much further down the Victor Hugo track, keep in mind that there are lots of institutional investors like these hedge funds, uh, like pension funds, endowments, and credit unions, who may suffer also huge losses because of what these Redditors are doing with GameStop (laughs) and the reverberations that are going through the entire stock market. Which takes us to the crux of what's going on here, because you can't understand the GameStop controversy without understanding the mechanics of the trades that are going on. The question is, who is getting hurt by traders trying to inflate the stock price? Well, it's the people who took a short position on GameStop. And here's a quick explanation of what that means to short a stock. People obviously invest in the stock market to make money. And most small investors try to buy a stock that has not yet reached its full potential, making the bet that something will happen to increase the value of that stock or security. But investors can also bet against a company's future potential. This is called shorting a stock. Shorting a stock enables an investor to actually make money when the stock goes down because you can't make money by buying a stock, hoping it goes down because then the value of the thing that you have purchased has gone down. For an investor to short a stock, they actually have to borrow the stock from someone else. The investor does this by opening a margin account, which lets them borrow the stock itself. The short seller wants to see that the stock's price will fall in the future, allowing the short seller to buy the stock back at an even lower price and pocketing the difference. But this is a riskier position than simply buying a stock with the hope that the value goes up. When you buy a stock at let's say $20, the most you can lose is the amount you paid, $20, and that will only happen if the stock you bought goes to zero. But shorting a stock is dangerous because at some point you must buy back the stock that you borrowed. So if you're shorting the stock, you borrow the stock at let's say $20 and it skyrockets to 500, you're in a world of hurt. If the value of the stock goes up, there's no limit to how much you might lose. The downside risk is literally infinite. You might have to buy it back at a huge loss. In our example, the short seller is squeezed. They need to pony up $500 on an initial investment of only $20. So you can do the math. (laughs) I'm in danger. So this appears to be what happened with the Reddit day traders versus the institutional investors who took a short position on GameStop. A lot of the people on Reddit just simply like GameStop as a company, so they wanted to build up the price. And if they could destroy a hedge fund at the same time, so much the better. And at some point, Redditors on Wall Street Bets realized that more people were shorting the stock than actually owned it. In fact, 140% of the float. A lot of people think that this is illegal, it's not. This is a relatively normal thing. And hedge fund Melvin Capital was one of the hedge funds who was on the other end of the trade. We know by now that Melvin Capital has closed out its short position, which means that they had to buy all the stock that they were shorting at a much, much higher price. No one's been able to exactly confirm how much they lost, but we do know that Citadel and Point72, bigger hedge funds, have infused close to $3 billion to Melvin Capital to shore up its finances. And, Melvin Capital only had roughly $12 billion to start. And this has fueled speculation that Melvin Capital might have gone bankrupt if not for the cash infusion. But that's where things got even crazier, with the price of the GameStop stock fluctuating wildly, going up thousands of percent. In the middle of all of this, Robinhood, the preferred brokerage and trading app of the people on Wall Street Bets, decided to stop all trading on GameStop on January 28th. And some have reported that as many as half of the people that use the Robinhood app in general had some sort of position on GameStop. And some have reported that after Robinhood stopped all trading on uh, GameStop, they allowed some people to exit their positions but not buy back in. And also some report that Robinhood was actually closing their positions and selling other options or stock in either GameStop or AMC. Causing fury among the people that were trying to hold on to the stock forever. So, with that admittedly superficial explanation of the facts here, now we get to the legal questions. Is any of this illegal? Is it illegal for a bunch of people on the internet? if not to band together, then at least express what they're going to do in the hopes that they drive prices in a certain direction. Does the SEC care about that? Is it illegal for Robinhood to prevent people from trading in the way that they want? Is that something that can give rise to a class action lawsuit? And of course, the initial action that gave rise to all of this, is it legal for the hedge funds to have a massive short position and try and drive the market? And the answer, as with most things, is it depends. So let's first talk about market manipulation. As you probably know, securities fraud is illegal. Some common types of security fraud include manipulating stock prices, lying on SEC filings and committing accounting fraud. But fraud also includes activity that manipulates the market. So what do we mean by market manipulation and why does it matter? Market manipulation tends to distort the prices of stocks and securities, which damages the market's integrity because the conduct can lead to other market participants to believe that the market is rigged or unfair. And of course, it actually changes the prices that people pay for these things because our economy is rigged. And after the financial meltdown of 2007, 2008, that belief was obviously somewhat justified. And many people lost their homes and life savings while giant financial institutions got bailed out after going effectively bankrupt. Now, after the financial crisis, Congress passed the Commodity Exchange Act as a method of combating fraud in financial markets. Congress added the CEA section 6C, which prohibits manipulative and deceptive devices and contrivances, and adopted a rule which prohibits any manipulative device, scheme, or artifice to defraud. Now, market manipulation has been illegal for a very long time. I believe it was in place in the original Securities and Exchange Act of 1934 under Rule 9, but I'm gonna focus on the CEA definition of market manipulation because it's both more recent and seems to have a reasonably clear test. Now, whether there is market manipulation under the CEA is decided by a four-part test. That the accused had the ability to influence market prices. Two, that the accused specifically intended to create or affect a price or price trend that does not reflect legitimate forces of supply and demand. Three, that the artificial prices exists. And four, that the accused caused the artificial prices. So the first question, did Redditors have the ability to influence market prices? Well, it seems clear uh, after a few days of this that the answer is obviously yes. They succeeded in dramatically raising the price of stock. Now, did they intend to inflate the GameStop stock in a way that was illegitimate and did not reflect the forces of supply and demand? Well, obviously you can argue it both ways. Now, on the one hand, this might be an example of classic market manipulation known as a pump and dump scheme, but it doesn't really fit exactly in that milieu. In a classic pump and dump scheme, fraudsters talk up stocks, claiming that they have inside information about something that will cause a stock's value to skyrocket. This inside information is actually just nonsense. And the goal is to entice buyers to quickly buy up penny stocks. And after the buyers jump in, the fraudsters sell their own shares, making a big profit, but causing the price to drop dramatically. Of course, the new buyers are left holding their hat and lose their money. This used to happen through cold calls, but in the modern era, chat rooms and forums have been fertile grounds for fraudsters illegally giving false information in the hope of driving up a stock price so that they can sell for much less. Pump and dump schemes are clearly illegal under several laws, such as the Securities Act of 1933, the Securities and Exchange Act of 1934, and 18 U.S.C. Section 371, at SEC. Now, if this activity does fall under the rubric of market manipulation, it would qualify as what scholars call open market manipulation because this isn't happening behind closed doors. This isn't happening because of a cold call. It's happening in plain sight. It's happening on the internet and everyone effectively has access to this information. And the SEC argues that market manipulation can in fact happen through social media. Quote, one way fraudsters may exploit social media is to engage in market manipulation, such as spreading false and misleading information about a company to affect that stock's share price. Wrongdoers may perpetrate stock rumors on social media as well as on online bulletin boards and internet chat rooms. The false or misleading rumors may be positive or negative. And the subreddit Wall Street Bets really seem to be exploiting social media to spur interest in lifting the GameStop stock price in order to manipulate the market. Four months ago, a post appeared on Wall Street Bets with the subject bankrupting institutional investors for dummies featuring GameStop. There's been a perception that the traders of Reddit are just internet trolls out for a joyride, and the title of the post certainly reinforces that perception. You could also interpret this post as evidence that the Redditors wanted to manipulate the market for GameStop stock in an illegal way to hurt big investors who shorted the stock. On the other hand, there's not much evidence that the posters who used Wall Street Bets were lying about GameStop or creating false rumors designed to pump up the stock's value so that they could induce people to buy the stock. WallStreetBets also has a counter-argument that there's evidence that Redditors were being thoughtful about their position, not intending to screw people over. The post isn't just about bankrupting short sellers. It lays out many reasons to believe that GameStop will make it as a going concern. Quote, well, it turns out their books are rock solid. They offered their creditors a new set of terms to push back debt for two years. 50% of them took it. They have eliminated all excess goodwill impairments. They're in a 300 million net cash position with significantly reduced inventory, which explains the sharp reductions in Q1 to sales and massively cut SGA by 28% in preparation for the console cycle. And of course, many things can be true at once, especially when you're dealing with a group of potentially thousands of people who all have different motivations for what they're doing. Some traders shared apparently legitimate information about GameStop and talked about it. Their arguments appeared to be convincing to lots of other traders. They have a free speech right to make these statements. So, was that market manipulation? Well, we have to talk about intent because the SEC and other enforcement agencies argue that even legitimate transactions are manipulative if the trader intends to manipulate the market. The government's position is that an investor's intent is enough to turn a legitimate transaction into illegal market manipulation. And anyone who's watched this channel before at all knows that the same actual conduct can become illegal based on the mens rea, the mental state that you have when you conduct that action. And of course, the traders of Reddit seem to have a mixed motive and there are lots of different people acting for many different reasons. On the other hand, there's almost no argument that this isn't a really weird and interesting case, in part because you generally don't have the telltale signs of securities fraud. This is not the classic case where someone is talking up a stock, getting other people to buy so that they can sell at a higher price themselves. Really, uh, while there are exceptions to this, it seems that most of the things that people are talking about on Reddit are true, they are not false. They are talking about real things in the world as well as what they intend to do. They're trying to get the entire internet to buy the stock hold it, drive up the price, screw over the hedge funds who are shorting it, and potentially save a company that a lot of people have fond memories over. Though, granted, fraud is not required for market manipulation under the SEC's definition. So just because people have good motives doesn't mean that their intent doesn't qualify as illegal market manipulation. And at the same time, anytime you have a whole bunch of people coordinating to change the price of something. You have to ask the question, is that an antitrust violation? Because the Sherman Antitrust Act section one deals with setting market prices. And that applies to even individuals. It doesn't just require that monopolies and cartels are the ones that can't set market prices. When you engage in a conspiracy to set a price, you might be uh, engaged in something illegal under the Sherman Antitrust Act. But let's talk about who's manipulating whom here, because one reason there's so much fury over this situation is that people feel like markets are nothing but a fake game anyway. And there's certainly a kernel of truth to this, since everyone that participates in the market changes prices by their very participation in the market itself. And that changes the prices of stocks and securities to some small degree. But of course the market is regulated. And in other words, there are laws that constrain traders from crossing certain lines. And the Reddit investors claim that the hedge funds get to do whatever they want to manipulate the markets, crossing every line that uh, retail investors don't get to cross and are getting punished because of trying to use the same tools that the hedge funds have been using for years. And a lot of people would absolutely argue that this is a question of under enforcement of the SEC's rules rather than over enforcement, that there's nothing that would exempt the hedge funds from the exact same rules as everybody else. It's just a question of the SEC's resources. The SEC has been classically underfunded and there's no doubt that the actual definition as codified in the law of market manipulation is incredibly broad. It's another question entirely whether all of the activity that falls under that definition should be considered illegal or not, but there's nothing that would exempt the hedge funds from uh, being punished under those same rules if the SEC decided to make that a priority. But that being said, there is no validity to the idea that short selling alone is an illegal practice, even if someone you don't like is doing it. Short selling has existed for hundreds of years, basically as long as there has been stock markets. Short squeezes have existed, gamma traps have existed. All of these are just tools and in and of themselves don't qualify as market manipulation. But that being said, since we're talking about the hedge funds, let's talk about the allegations of collusion between Robinhood and the hedge funds themselves. Many have speculated, some with more evidence than others, that Robinhood uh, agreed to stop trading on the GameStop stock, specifically as a concession to hedge funds that it does business with in one way or another. And these allegations seem like more conspiracy theories than they are based in real life. That being said, it is also possible, if not more probable, that these actions are related to legitimate business concerns rather than a conspiracy to defraud Robinhood customers. For example, most people are trading on margin, which means that they're not actually purchasing individual stocks so much as getting the right to purchase the stocks from Robin Hood and the market makers that Robin Hood interacts with. And because of that, a lot of these transactions don't clear for many days after they're put in place. These are incredibly complicated transactions that involve a number of different companies. And in this instance, Robinhood, number one, was probably worried about its own liquidity given the incredible volatility going on to be able to fulfill these orders. Number two, it was probably worried about the counterparty risk of the companies that it was dealing with to make the markets and fulfill these orders. And number three, it was probably worried about the actual ability of its customers who are trading on extreme margins to place these orders to actually fulfill the things that they were putting in place. So it's entirely possible that Robinhood had legitimate business justifications for limiting the trading in the way that it did. Though just because Robinhood might have had some legitimate business reasons for undertaking these practices, You can absolutely understand why users of Robinhood were furious that Robinhood prevented them from buying more shares of GameStop while only allowing people to sell their positions in GameStop, which apparently resulted in the price of GameStop plummeting. And at the same time, there were even isolated reports of individual users who said that Robinhood literally sold the stock that they had purchased in GameStop. Though I have to believe that in those particular cases, those users were trading on margin and were probably facing a margin call where in order to meet the reserve requirements for their margin account, the brokerage sells stock to meet that reserve requirement. That's fairly common when people are trading on margin. And I'd be surprised if Robinhood sold people's positions who weren't subject to a margin call. But the bottom line is that users of Robinhood are absolutely furious, often for a perfectly legitimate reason. And so, because this is America, they did what Americans do and they almost immediately sued Robinhood. The first lawsuit filed by Robinhood user, Brendan Nelson, in the Southern District of New York, the SDNY, alleges that Robinhood engaged in unlawful market manipulation by removing GameStop stock from its platform. And Nelson seeks to make his suit a class action. And there's another lawsuit filed in the Northern District of Illinois by Robinhood user, Richard Joseph Gatz, and says that Robinhood protected institutional investments at the expense of its retail customers, the traders, the Wall Street Bets traders. Gats alleges that this sudden halt uh, resulted in major losses because prices were decreasing and Gats couldn't make any moves. So, Gats is representing himself, and it seems like immediately after Robinhood started doing this, people started clamoring for a class action lawsuit. And many people asked can Robinhood be allowed to screw over its user base in this way? Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's very likely that these lawsuits are going to be dead on arrival for a couple of different reasons. Number one, when you sign up for a Robinhood account, you are forced to sign up for their terms and conditions. To trade on Robinhood, you have to sign their customer agreement. Regardless of whether you don't read it, this is generally an enforceable contract. So the first question is, what did all of the users agree to? And one of the very first things that you'll see, which is very, very bad news for someone trying to file a class action lawsuit, is that everyone under section 38 of the user agreement agreed to arbitration and agreed to forego a class action suit. Arbitration, as you probably know, is a form of alternative dispute resolution for resolving disputes out of court. Now, arbitration is often seen as a boogeyman within legal circles. People think that, Arbitration just means a plaintiff will never get anything. And that's, that's simply not true. It just means that things will be adjudicated in front of an arbitrator instead of a court. But an arbitrator has the ability to fashion almost any remedy. So theoretically, you can get exactly the same remedy that you can get in a courtroom in an arbitration. They have the power to do so. And the big issue here is that the arbitration clause includes a class action waiver, which means that you're not going to be able to have a class action represent all of the users of Robinhood, even if you were able to meet all of the requirements for a class action under Rule 23, which I am very, very skeptical that a plaintiff's lawyer would be able to meet the requirements uh, that you need to have a class action in the first place. Though at the same time, that can be both a sword and a shield. We've seen many times where a company has uh, included a class action waiver, thinking that by breaking up every individual plaintiff into their own arbitration case, that's, uh, that's actually in their favor, except that when thousands of individuals take them up on that and have the company pay for the arbitration that's going on, the company can get really screwed because they'll end up paying a huge amount of money just to go forward in arbitration. So sometimes arbitrations are good, sometimes are bad. They're just a tool. But in this particular case, it's going to result almost certainly in the dismissal of the class action suit that was filed against Robin Hood. But then we get to the even more fundamental issue here, which is what the user agreement allows Robinhood to do. Even if plaintiffs could get around the arbitration clause, their arguments would probably be doomed by the other provisions of the contract that all of the users signed. For example, the agreement allows Robinhood to take into account market volatility. Section 13, market volatility, market orders, limited orders, and queued orders. I understand that during periods of high volume, illiquidity, fast movement, or volatility in the marketplace, the execution price received may differ from the quote provided on entry of an order. I may receive partial executions of an order at different prices. Of course, Robinhood reserves the right to restrict trading or prohibit it altogether. Section 16, restrictions on trading. I understand that Robinhood may in its discretion prohibit or restrict the trading of securities or the substitution of securities in any of my accounts. I understand that Robinhood may at any time at its sole discretion and without prior notice to me. One, prohibit or restrict my access to use the app or the website or related services and my ability to trade. Two, refuse to accept any of my transactions. Three, refuse to execute any of my transactions. Or four, terminate my account. Now, that says nothing about whether this was a good business decision or not. People are rightfully upset. People are furious with the decisions that Robin Hood has made. Regardless of whether Robin Hood had to do it, whether it's colluding with the hedge funds or not, People are probably going to leave Robinhood en masse because they hate the way that they have been treated. This is only to say that the user agreement that Robinhood wrote and made all of its customers signed appears to give them a lot of leeway and I would not be surprised if these lawsuits fail simply because the customers agreed to it in advance. But if you don't like it, you can do business with somebody else and maybe that's a good idea. As Matt Levine, who is absolutely the best financial writer writing today, put it, also, I have to say that if Robinhood stops letting people gamble on meme stocks, that is going to hurt its ability to attract customers who want to gamble on meme stocks. And hey, thank you for watching on Nebula. Here is some extra content that we had to cut for time from the YouTube version, but I think it goes into more detail about some of these issues. I was absolutely fascinated by this whole uh, GameStop situation. Just the little guy taking on the big guy, new securities laws being made in the process. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of people are gonna lose a ton of money on this because it's so clear that no one really understands uh, the market that they're getting into. They're trading on margin. They're effectively getting a huge loan for leverage and buying a whole bunch of things that they don't understand. And the hedge funds are not gonna take this lying down. So whether it's the SEC or the exchange itself that puts a halt on trading, whether or not it's it's uh, Robinhood, they're gonna fight back Um, I don't think people understand what's going on here, and I don't think they recognize the downside risk that's going on. And it's all good fun for now. It seems like, for the most part, the Redditors are making money, but the ones that hold for the longest are, I think, going to be holding the bag, and I think they're going to lose a ton of money. And God only knows what new regulations the SEC is going to put in place as a result of this, because its mandate is to protect retail investors from themselves, often. So... Yeah, yeah. This is exactly the kind of thing that you'd be worried about unsophisticated bu- buyers getting into things and ruining their lives. And I think we're going to hear some of those stories soon. But who knows? Maybe they'll hold and rocket to the moon. And uh, yeah, Wall Street bets will uh, will take over Wall Street. You never know. But uh, I've been fascinated. I've been reading about this stuff nonstop. Um, but yeah, uh, you run into risk anytime you buy an individual stock. And I don't think people understand that. Anyway, thank you for watching on Nebula. Take care. Oh, and one last thing. I know right now you're probably fumbling with your phone, trying to find the next podcast to listen to, but you can't because this is an ad, but it doesn't have to be that way. Instead, you can go to watchnebula.com slash radio. You can get access to all of our original podcasts ad-free, plus exclusive originals and experimental shows from your favorite educational-ish creators. And best of all, you're helping to support us make even more amazing content. So before you go, check out WatchNebula.com slash radio to support this channel and this podcast directly.